Lucas on Life. Hello and a very good evening. Welcome to Lucas on Life. Let's face it, life in lockdown is tough, isn't it? Actually, tough as a word doesn't really adequately describe what we've been through and are going through. I know, like me, you are probably thoroughly weary of that COVID word, and you wish it had never been introduced into our vocabulary and our existence. I know, we'll all be glad when we can look back with a shudder and be grateful that the season of restriction, terrifying headlines and rampant uncertainty is finally over. But here we still are, still in the tunnel, even though apparently there's a light at the end of the tunnel, and as the old gag says, we hope it's not the light of an approaching train. So allow me to offer a few personal tips for lockdown days, and one of them involves us giving ourselves permission to not be all right. It's a saying that I often used to hear when going shopping, remember shopping? Over the last couple of years, the person behind the counter doesn't say, how can I help you? But for some strange reason, the popular catchphrase is, you're right there. A bit Victor Meldrew-like, I want to say, in what sense are you inquiring if I'm all right? Would you like the results of my latest medical check, perhaps, or a detailed description of my current emotional stability? Oh, and he came in to buy a bar of chocolate, so isn't it a little strange that you're asking me if I'm all right? Obviously, I'm not hearing the questions so much recently, mainly because I'm not shopping for anything except essentials. But let's know that in lockdown, as Christians, it's okay not to be all right. Reduced to tears by the televised heartfelt tributes to loved ones who died because of COVID, I felt heavy. I know it's okay to feel that way, but perhaps I need to take a step further and say it's human and needful to feel low at times. That which usually makes my heart sing was taken away. The hugs of grandsons, the fun of a meal shared with family and friends, an extended Christmas, the physical gathering of fellow believers for worship, the simple joy of popping into town for a coffee. I find so much joy in those moments that when they're denied for a period of time, I tend to feel vacant and flat. Water slakes thirst. Lack of water makes your lips dry. Simple, unavoidable fact. When I'm feeling low, I want to lecture myself sternly, to wave my own finger in front of my own face and tell the rather glum me that it's worse, so, so much worse, for others around the country and in the wider world. And that's very true. But the self-lecturing doesn't quite work, because despite my relatively pain-free existence currently, there's still sadness. That cloud is not driven away by me just comparing my weather conditions with somebody else's storm. I need to stay aware of what's happening in the world. Otherwise, my capacity for self-absorption can grow out of control, like my hair has a habit of doing when I can't get to the hairdresser, which is right now. So what should we do when sorrow presses down? I'm trying to take baby steps, aiming to just get the next thing done praying some one-sentence prayers, being grateful for small things, reading something thung, then something deeper, and then something biblical, and not necessarily in that order. And I'm learning how to rejoice. 
most of the encouragements towards rejoicing in the Bible were written to or by people who were experiencing extremely tough times, like Paul who experienced such pressure and pain. And so, experiencing lockdown, let's know we will get through this storm. Right then, baby steps. I'm Jeff Lucas. This is Lucas on Life. Some tips for lockdown. During lockdown, I've found it quite difficult to pray. Actually, to be really honest, I find it challenging to pray at the best of times. It didn't take a global pandemic to challenge my intercessory ability. Chatting with someone who is invisible is not something that comes easy to me. Some people describe prayer as a conversation. Sadly, most of the time, I mean 99.999% of the time, it isn't a conversation for me. Now, there are times, all too rare, when I have a sense that God is directly communicating to me, but mostly I feel that I'm twiddling the knob of an old transistor radio. I get a sudden splurge of voice, quickly obliterated by static. When I try to retune, it turns out I was picking up Russian folk music FM. I'd rather expected that a world crisis would focus and even embolden my praying. This is because I'm rather good at screaming when under pressure, so I anticipated the same fervency, clarity and intensity in prayer when under pressure shared by the rest of the planet. Unfortunately, that has not been the case. I'm not sure I can describe it adequately, but the crisis has changed me and now, as off the wall as it sounds, I feel that I need to reintroduce myself to Jesus. Of course, that's not actually necessary because I believe that I am utterly known by him, but there's been such a shift in my priorities, such turbulence in my moods, and, along with everyone else, such a change in my everyday lifestyle that I feel unfamiliar with myself. I feel that I need to update Jesus on the adjustments and perhaps get some insight about the alterations to myself. But where do I begin with all that? Because there's so much to pray about, so many needs, problems, challenges, statistics, predictions, hopes, fears. They overwhelm like a tsunami. Where do we begin? Having too much to pray for is just as challenging as not knowing what to say. That's why liturgy can be helpful, especially when life renders us speechless. It's rather wonderful to use the well-crafted words shaped by someone who lived a few hundred years ago. Then there's the challenge of praying about some of the problems in my life. I've discovered that they were small. I wish I could go back to worrying about what made me anxious before the pandemic took hold. The trouble is, for the most part, I can't actually remember what I was worrying about back then. Any difficulties I've faced have all been relative to the greater problem of COVID-19. There have been a couple of examples of God activity in my own personal life during this crisis. I'd like to call them answers to prayer, but I hadn't actually prayed and asked for them to happen, so I can't claim them for an answer. Drat. But although I find some strength and hope in those minor interventions, I'm mostly embarrassed by them because they seem rather trivial, silly even. I'm tempted to send an email to gabriel at heavensgates.com. Perhaps it would go something like this. Dear Gabe, if I may be so bold, Gabe feels a bit familiar as most humans who meet you almost faint in shock. So I do hope this is okay. Gabe, I write to thank you, your 
angelic pals and most of all the Lord of heaven and earth for all of your snippets of involvement in my life. Although we've never met face to face and I'm not requesting an imminent appointment, especially if it involves a pearly gate encounter and thus my death, I have over the years been extremely grateful for all the positive interventions from heaven in my minuscule little life here on earth. I'm going to regret writing this as soon as I email it, desperate as I am for the continuation of the aforementioned and, did I say, most welcome activities in the journeys of yours truly. Nevertheless, perhaps you could pass this message on to our Heavenly Father. I would like to ask him one small request, that he moves to save the inhabitants of planet Earth from this virus thingy. I call it a thingy because, as I write, even the most eminent scientists in the world in their collective collaborating of their huge brains have not been able to figure it out. Calling it by name, COVID-19, does make us feel a little better as if it's something we identify, dissect and then destroy. For many years now, I and my fellow human beings have lived under the collective illusion that we are rather clever and can control our own destinies. We were lulled into this silly myth as a result of A, not having a world war for a while, and B, only engaging in localised wars, which were mostly far away, so we chose to ignore them, C, ignoring mass poverty and environmental destruction for reasons unknown. However, recent developments have proved that we are not actually masters of the universe, that position being filled by your Lord and mine. Anyway, Gabriel, back to the reason for my emailing you. I wonder if you could let it be known that you and the rest of heaven's vast army can forget about my little worries and just sort out this horrid virus. Hold on. Let me delete that last sentence, or at least amend it. Please, Gabriel, please forget me suggesting that you're to forget my little worries. Just postpone giving them your attention, because I'd rather like you to return to giving your fullest attention to my stuff once this pandemic is over and done with. In the meantime, I hope it will be all right to offer this short prayer to the Lord, a piece of simple liturgy, if you will. It goes like this. Lord God, help. 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 Amen. Yours sincerely, Jeff Gabriel. P.S. Don't forget that I changed forget into postpone. Thanks. Now, before we listen to some music from Greg Long, let me say, before you're tempted to phone or write in, I'm not suggesting that we chat with angels. We only worship, we only pray to God himself. But it's just a little illustration of perhaps how we might be feeling in lockdown. Some helpful tips, at least I hope, for lockdown. And what I'm about to share with you, I actually wrote on Palm Sunday last year. Now, I know we've not come round to that particular event in the Christian calendar yet, but hopefully you'll find it helpful. Palm Sunday in lockdown. A major symptom of lockdown is lethargy. That's right, and I'd like to talk about it now, if I can be bothered. Lethargy, which is not the word liturgy spoken with a lisp, is a symptom that I believe affects many of us. As I said, it's Palm Sunday as I wrote this, the day, figuratively speaking, when we should have all been scaling up palm trees, don't do it in shorts, and cutting down palm fronds so that we can wave them as our Messiah rides by on a donkey. It's the day when the cry of Hosanna should be in our throats. The hope of the world is riding into town. The cavalry has arrived to save us. Hip, hip, hooray. But here's the thing. On Palm Sunday last year, 
There were no crowds. They were all thinned out by social distancing, and rightly so. We might have found ourselves wanting to observe Holy Week, but we were feeling tired, flat and weary, and somewhat unholy as a result. Where does this lethargy come from? I hear you ask, those of you who've been reading the King James Version of the Bible because you've got time on your hands. Well, for one thing, we're inactive. Yes, we can go out for restricted exercise, but the sight of an approaching stranger nudges us into multi-layered apprehension. What if they are carriers of the dreaded pox? And then, what side of the path or pavement should I occupy? Do normal highway code rules apply? Keep to the left when in the UK. Why aren't they moving over to play their part in the social distancing routine? And then, as we pass, should we greet them even briefly, expelling something called droplets in the process? Should we smile, wish them well, or just scurry on? Is the masked person someone taking extra social distancing precautions outside, or are they in fact a bank robber on their way home from a failed job? They went in to rob the bank, but like everything else, it was closed. We're not sure whether we should smile or nod or call the police. We watched TV and we were overwhelmed by a continuous flow of bad news, daunting statistics and speculation. In order to get away from real-life drama, hypocrisy, political bluster and death, we binge-watch Netflix or BBC iPlayer, which provide endless episodes of fictional drama, hypocrisy, political bluster and death. We're grateful for national leaders who we hope are doing their best and heartened by those marvellous health worker heroes who are risking their own health for us. We hear talk of the front line, appropriately drawing on wartime language. The self-sacrificial giving of others creates a sense of powerless in us. What, if anything, can we do to help? We're told that our greatest contribution is to stay at home and save lives. True enough, but it can seem like a paltry effort. In lockdown, there's less, so what did you do today, chatter, because we all know what we did. We stayed home. Hearing the headlines, we rehearse them to each other. On top of that, we feel for those who have to steer through lockdown alone. All in all, some of us feel various degrees of emotional flatness. That's perfectly understandable. We should grieve when young nurses die, we should care about what will happen to the disadvantaged around the world. We should recognise that we were created for productivity. And when our capacity to deliver, produce, complete and resolve is limited, we feel stunted. We are suffering the effects of a seismic shock, thrust suddenly into something like a Bruce Willis disaster movie, one in which Brucey has yet to rescue us from the approaching meteor, or, in this case, the lurking virus. Being around friends and family is precious, so it's completely understandable that we feel a sense of lack, even impoverishment, when we cannot connect, laugh, dine with and hug those we love. Thinking back to Palm Sunday, that's the day when we who follow Christ still reach for a palm branch. Our arms might be tired as we wave it, and our cry of Hosanna might feel just a little hollow. We feel a bit silly, waving bits of a tree without a crowd or a physical congregation to bolster our hearts. Praying can feel dutiful, and while there have been rays of light and heartening stories, significant divine infiltration is yet to be forthcoming. It's not easy, but as I've often said following the advice of my friend Adrian Plass, our emotions 
are not the barometer of our spirituality. Adrian's advice is important enough for me to repeat. Our emotions are not the barometer of our spirituality. Just because we're disheartened doesn't mean that our faith is lacking. Let's look past the headlines to the one who has ridden through the city, died, rose again, and will return one day. And let's trust him tonight, even when we don't know for what's certain what he's doing. His hand is not always easy to trace. When we do not see the obvious move of his hand, we trust his heart and know that it is moved. When we feel nudged towards hopelessness, faith affirms that he is still our hope. When we follow the cross, we follow in the steps of our Christian ancestors, some of whom walked to martyrdom and trusted God till their final breath. So, when Palm Sunday comes around again in just a few weeks, go ahead, pick up that palm branch, weary soul, give it a wave, you know it makes sense. We've been reflecting on, I hope, helpful hints for lockdown. Wherever you are tonight, whatever your circumstances, perhaps alone, perhaps in a family, may you know God's strength, his grace, his peace. This too will pass. See you next time. Lucas on Life.